0: Welcome to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show on 670 The Score. The guys are live from 530 until 10 each day. I started off at 5 o'clock, take you up to 530. And of course, we are the official radio home of your Chicago Cubs who are limping out of San Francisco. They're back in Chicago. Today is a day off, Crawley. This is season one, episode 20, and we are calling this one a giant flop. Crowley, how are you doing this morning?
2: Doing okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at fly the W670 at G and uh you can we have our own email account, fly the W670 at gmail.com. But yeah, good to see that you and the family made it up to Canada. It looks like you guys had more success than the Kansas City Royals.
0: Yep, very easy process. Uh drove up yesterday, 12-hour car ride. The uh the kids handled it better, maybe than the adults, and uh now we get to talk about the uh, Cubs-Giants. Unfortunately, the uh, the Cubs did not at least get the split, which is what we were hoping for. They did, however, Crowley, get to fly the W once. But there were so many missed opportunities in this one. Let's uh, let's take the listeners through it. Let's start with game one, which was back now, it seems like a week ago, but uh, was on Thursday out in San Francisco.
2: Yeah, it was tough. The Cubs were uh, you know just riding high. They were on a big winning streak, what, six-game winning streak, and then the Giants were like on a seven-game losing streak. And unfortunately, San Francisco's a tough park to play in. And it and it was the Cubs, I don't think, gave their best effort in this one. They lose game one, four to two, Justin Steele versus Alex Wood. And it was this was the worst of them all. This was a really sloppy game. Top of the first, Morel walks. Wilson's hit by a pitch. You got two on, Hap strikes out. So you got one out. Then for some reason, Morel gets caught stealing third, and Suzuki then flies out. So it's just. This is going to be a, a big theme in this game. Just a lot of bad play, uh, base running mistakes, blunders. The bottom of the third, you got one out. Mike Yastrzemski reaches on a fielding error pop-up to Patrick Wisdom. It was simple pop-up, and he doesn't make the play. And give credit to Mike Yastrzemski. He was hustling all the way. He makes it to second on a ball that landed right in front of uh, Patrick Wisdom. Then Austin Slater swings, just an absolute swinging bunt single mistake. It just stays fairs. Now you have runners at the corner one out. Darren Ruff strikes out. So you have an opportunity to get out of this. Wilmer Flores is up, and it looks like a wild pitch by Steele. So it looked, the run comes across to score, but Ross challenges it, and it said Flores got hit. So the run comes off the board, and so now you have bases loaded two outs. Former Chicago White Sox, Yerman Mercedes, the mercenator. Uh, he singles two run scores, and the Cubs are down early. Um, you know, a lot of questions that kind of start to come through here. Uh, you, you're you're looking at Nelson Velasquez. We really liked him a lot. But boy, there was a play that I thought that he could have made. And so uh, what ends up happening, He I don't know, he didn't dive. I don't know if he misread it or ran back. Uh, then you have runners at the corner, uh, Thyro Estrada singles. Uh, Patrick Wisdom was way in on that. Nico stops it. Uh, there's no play to be made though. The Cubs are down now three nothing. Jock Peterson strikes out swinging and steal through close to 40 pitches in the inning. So you know he's pretty much d- toast after this.
0: Yeah, that was a, that was a gas or the uh, that inning way too many pitches. And I don't know if you were if you took that game in on. Marquee Crawley, or if you got to listen to it on 670, uh, Coombe had moved over to the uh, TV side, I believe, for that one. And uh, I don't know if you heard it, but Zach's call of the Wisdom drop was almost like Ron Santo esque when uh, we had that mishap up in uh, Milwaukee, I believe. And it was the. Yeah, oh, no! He dropped the ball! I mean, it was. Uh, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how he did that. I mean, it's he must have lost it in the lights somehow. It was the. Strangest thing I've ever seen.
2: Absolute disaster. And so Cubs, Cubs are now down three nothing. After that, uh, Justin Steele is gas. And like I said, very I strange play,
0: play, Crowley. I don't know if you saw it on TV or on radio, but the, Zach with the oh no, he dropped the ball. Yeah, I mean you can't have that many errors behind Steele. It's just uh, unfortunate for him that the, uh, the the gloves and the defense didn't uh, didn't help him out because I think he had pretty decent stuff early on.
2: Yeah. You know, you look at it, it's a misplayed pop fly. It's a swinging bunt single. Uh, you know, it, it was a, a cheap, you know, a cheap, uh, you know, he hits a batter, a cheap flare, you know, and now you're done. Uh, no one really hit the ball hard out of him. Uh, so you get down to the bottom of the fourth. David Vr reaches on a throwing error by Nico Horner. We'll talk about Nico, but he absolutely had an abysmal series. As great as he's been, boy, did he struggle. Uh, Joey Bart strikes out, swinging VR to second on a wild pitch slider that bounced off Gomes. I thought that was a rough call to give him the wild pitch. Uh, Yastremsi grounds out to Schwindel, VR moves to third. Austin Slater doubles, VR scores, Cubs are down 4-0, and Steele's night is done. Uh, Maddie Lee points out that for the first time in the last 10 starts, Justin Steele was out before completing five innings. His pitch count was 84 through 3.2 innings, and half of those pitches almost came into the third inning. So on the flip side, Alex Wood had his best start as Oof, a giant. He
0: was good. He was good that night.
2: He retired 15 Cubs in a row after the Contreras hit by pitch. He took a no-hitter into the seventh. Ian Hap singles to break it up, and with two outs, Patrick Wisdom hit a two-run homer. He, the Cubs are trailing 4-2. to two. Defense was great behind the Giants. Mike Yastrzemski, Rob Christopher Morell, who unfortunately didn't have a lot of uh, hits in the box score, but really kept getting robbed by all these giant defenders. Uh, Wilmer Flores, Rob Nico on a nice play up the middle. The Cubs offense, though, was the story. Three hits, two walks, one hit by pitch. That's it.
0: Yeah, very, very disappointing. I mean, the only highlight you mentioned at the Wisdom home run, and that was his... Uh 50th career home run so congratulations to him on that accomplishment but yeah i mean the bats just aren't there and you know you brought up nico horner and we'll talk about him more as we, as we progress through this four game series but yeah i mean again we're going back we're going backwards crawley it seems as if the offense when it gets out west is broke
2: absolutely and and now before game two starts up Wilson, at the beginning of the day, for all of us nerdy Cubs types, Wilson scrubbed all of the Cubs stuff from his social media. All the pictures, all the everything, anything that mentioned Cubs was off. And so there was mass panic. Some of it was up a few hours later, but uh, the frustration from Wilson boiled over, and you also saw that in this series Game two was the one time we got to fly the W. The Cubs won this one 4-2. to Stroman versus Alex Cobb. It was a good pitching duel. Um, you know, Stroman was able to kind of get in and out of trouble, but, you know, he just seemed calm the whole entire time. He never felt like, you know, he didn't have that confidence. Uh, with two outs and Wilmer Forlars on first, uh, Brandon Belt with a single uh, single on a soft bunt. You don't expect your cleanup hitter to really single. You had runners at first and second and two outs. Yastrzemski singles to Ian Happ who threw a one-out bullet perfectly and Contreras with a good tag to get Flores out. So that saves a run in the first. Great play by Ian.
0: It seems like when they do have one of those types of plays, Crowley, that it kind of it, it energizes them, if you will. Like They get that one play on defense, and it just really solidifies what they are trying to do and the whole team. And you're right about Stroman. Um, wasn't perfect, but like you mentioned, working out of the jams is something that you like to see. And he's really... You're seeing why the Cubs brought him in and why they invested. He's put a couple of nice starts together in a row. So good for him.
2: Absolutely. In the bottom of the fourth, runners at second and third, one out. Strowman gets Joey Bart to fly out to Suzuki and Listella to line out to Suzuki. So second and third, one out. Giants can't score, and that's going to play big. Top of the fifth, Wisdom homers. That's his second consecutive homer. And the Cubs lead one nothing. So two games in a row with homers for Wisdom. Uh, looked pretty good. Top of the seventh, and this is this is one of those things that drive you nuts. The Giants walk the bases loaded. Alfonso Rivas sing, strikes out swinging, and Morel hits into a double play. So the Cubs do not score in that inning. It takes us to the ninth, where we start to have a lot of action here. Top of the yeah. ninth, one out. Horner walks. Wisdom hits a ground rule double. You got runners at second and third. Schwindel with a high chopper to the... Uh, pitcher, but Nico had a great jump on contact and scored. So now the Cubs lead 2-0. Velasquez comes in to pinch run. Rivas singles. Wisdom scores. Velasquez to third. Cubs up 3-0. Morrell hits a fly to short right. It bounces off the glove of Mike Yastremski. So the Cubs get a 4-0 lead. Uh, and you still have runners on with only one out, but Bodie strikes out, Contreras strikes out. <laughs> Bottom of the ninth, the return of David Robertson. He's alive, but unfortunately, he was <laughs> he was uh, after not seeing him for a few games, he was a little bit rusty. He's rusty, right? right He's rusty, yeah. Crowley. Yeah. So Tommy La Stella doubles, Lu, uh, Luis Gonzalez flies out, Flores homers. It's 4-2, to two, but that's all they'll score, and that'll be the final. But Stroman, six innings pitch, eight hits, zero runs, one walk, three Ks. Robertson, like I said, a little rusty, one inning pitch, three hits, two runs, one Ks. Cubs had 10 total bases, seven men left on base. Wisdom and Schwindel were both two for three. On the flip side, the Giants' uh, Cobb was six innings pitch, three hits, one run, one walk, 11 Ks. Tommy Lastella, two for five, Belt, two for four, Vossier, two for four. The Giants had 21 total bases, but they had 13 men left on base. So it's good to see another team struggle in that department.
0: Right. It uh, goes hand in hand, right? The uh, runners left on base and yeah, 3 a.m. Tommy putting a little scare into Cubs fans and uh, potentially in that ninth inning. But uh, yeah, listen, it was good to see Robertson back out there, like you mentioned. But, you know, we both said it; he was rusty, but they did. They were able to finish the job. Stroman, as you just went through those stats, very workmanlike, but it was good enough. So good. Listen, at this point, you're feeling, hey, okay, two games in a split. And the Cubs could have won that first game, had a couple of things gone their way, but they faced a really fantastic pitcher who had great stuff that night. So it's 1-1, and we move into uh, another late night out west Saturday night out in San Francisco.
2: Now, before this starts, we get the first trade of trade season, and, and this kind of provides a little bit of controversy. And, Dustin, I wonder where you stand on this. The Cubs acquired infield, Zach, infielder, he's kind of utility guy, Zach McKinstry from the Dodgers. In exchange for right-handed pitcher Chris Martin, so let it be known, Chris Martin, the first domino to drop. And so the Cubs they add uh, McKinstry to the Dodger uh, to the to the roster, so he's with the team. Alfonso Rivas gets sent to Iowa, and they recall Mark Leiter Jr. And so here's the thing: as we talked about it before, Smiley was looking really good the last couple starts. You got trade deadline coming up here, and now you called Mark Leiter, who has started games for the Cubs. The Cubs roll the dice and start Drew Smiley rather than Mark Leiter. And and here's the thing. If Drew Smiley pitches great, looks like a smart move. If he doesn't, does it hurt his trade value? And the answer is he didn't pitch well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the answer is he didn't pitch well, and so now it looks like it backfired on you. But I don't blame them. I mean, I – if I would have had a bigger issue if they didn't start him, to be honest with you, because it, it, the only way to showcase you have to, he has to show and they have to show that he actually can get out there. Right, the first thing you have to do is be available, and he has not been available enough. So if he doesn't go out there, it, it's almost like you're throwing up a flare. Hey, this guy's really not ready yet. So I think they had no choice. He didn't look great, but he was out there, and I think maybe another team is more concerned that he's available. Than exactly what his stuff is right at the second.
2: But yeah, Drew Smiley up against Jake Junis, Jacob Junis. And in the top of the first, things start off really good. Ortega and Contreras with back to back singles. Suzuki flies out, Hap called on on strike. Horner walks. You got the bases loaded, but wisdom pops out to end the threat. Bottom of the third, Darren Ruff walks Austin Slater doubles, and the Cubs are now down one nothing. Yerman Mercedes, who just absolutely torched the Cubs all series, singles to left. Slater scores. The Cubs are down two nothing. I really needed uh, Tony Larusa to give Mercedes a negative talking to. I was hoping that would happen. It didn't. Um, <laughs> bottom of the fourth, David Vr Singers singles. Luis Gonzalez homers. The Cubs are down four nothing. The very next batter, Joey Bart, follows that with the home run, and the Cubs are down 5 nothing. Scary moment in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Thyro Estrada is at the plate, and Mark Leiter Jr. hits him in the helmet. It wasn't a fastball, but he had to be helped off the field. That was a very scary moment for those of you watching the game. Very always,
0: scary moment. Very scary. Yep.
2: Always get nervous on that. But uh, top of the seventh, Jan Gomes singles. P.J. Higgins strikes out Bodie singles. Velasquez. Um, pinch hits for Rafael Ortega. He singles, Gomes scores. The Cubs are down 5 nothing. but Contreras pops out and Suzuki grounds out. That ends that threat. And so 5-1, to you know, the Cubs come into the ninth and they put up a valiant struggle, uh, a valiant effort here. Uh, Van, uh, Jan Gomes hit by pitch. P.J. Higgins, who was MIA for a while, singles. You got a pitching change, Bodie singles. So you have the bases loaded, top of the ninth, no out, and you're down 5-1. Velasquez reaches on a fielder's choice. Uh, It looked maybe like it was going to be at least one, possibly two. But Vossler's throw at short doesn't get Bodie at second and everybody is safe. Gomes scores. It's 5-2. Bases loaded. Still no outs. Contreras grounds out because a double play was not turned. So the Giants defense looked a little sloppy here in the ninth. One run scores, but you got an out at seconds. The Cubs trail 5 3. Suzuki grounds out. Morell scores 5 to 4. Hap grounds out, and the Cubs lose 5 to 4. So even though the score was 5 to 4 and close, it really wasn't for most of the game.
0: Right. Not until the ninth, as you mentioned, right? It was the, the one that got away. And the two, you know, Crowley, listening to you recap, it and you're doing a great job doing that, you know, what I'm hearing, ground out ground out and then he grounded out and then, and then he grounded out. Oh, and then, and then there was a runner on, and then he ground. So it's like, come on, like get the ball in the air, find a gap, do something again. It's, it's, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but it's like the offense when it goes out West for whatever reason, I mean, they had that one game out in LA against the Dodgers where they scored a gazillion runs, but it just seems broke. And you look at, you know, David Bodie, you know, when you, when you're running down these names of guys and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to David Bodie, but it's like, Eesh. Like these are not going to be the guys when the Cubs are actually o- even okay again. I don't think they're going to be on this team.
2: You're you're going to see a lot of moves coming up as we reach the trade deadline. As, as new guys try to get on the 40 man roster and stuff like that, you're going to see some DFAs of guys. I don't know if it's going to be Bodie, but there's going to be some DFAs. We're going to talk about in the next episode, absolutely for sure. But right. Smiley, I'm only- ready
0: though. You know what, Crawley, I'm <laughs> ready for some new blood. I want to see some new guys. I want to see if if what this new you know, the the new group led by Jed and there's a bunch of new guys scouting. Um, I want to see if they know what they're doing. It's yeah. time. I don't need to see Ortega. Again, this is no disrespect to these guys, but I, I don't need to see Ortega. I don't need to see Bodie. I don't need to see, you know, Gomes even for that. But I understand they have to have somebody catch. You know, I want to see, put Higgins back there. Let's see him catch. Let, let's see what he can do. Is, this, is, is he potentially a guy that could catch 100 games for you next year, I, assuming that we don't have uh, Wilson Contreras around anymore.
2: I, I would say I would love to keep Gomes just because I love his pitch calling and the pitchers have gone out of their way to point that out numerous right. times. Right. So you got Gomes and you got Higgins and that's where you have, you know, you you need two catchers. And so that does you some good there. Um, but unfortunately, Smiley went four innings, pitch seven hits, five runs, two walks, five Ks, two homers lighter. looked good Went 2.2 gave up zero hit zero runs other than plunking a batter in the head. He looked pretty good. But the Cubs had ten hits, eleven total bases, but they left nine men on base. Whereas for- nine men
0: on base its it, again another another thing. I, I goofed around with it a little bit, Crowley, and said, you know, here's another grounder, and then he grounded. You know, we—the drinking game for the Fly the W podcast could be, you know, the how many guys are left on base? You have to do that many shots. We wouldn't get through the first segment of the show. I mean, it's just left on base, runners in scoring position, left on base, runners in scoring position. It's the same thing that keeps nagging these Cubs.
2: Yeah. I don't know how much, uh, my liver can take that anymore. I've been mistreating it for a while now, but, uh, we, we look at the giants on the flip side. Junis went four innings, pitched five hits, zero runs, one walk, four K's Mercedes two for three with a walk. And then the giants had seven hits, 14 total bases, but they only left seven men on base. So that takes us to game four Adrian Sampson versus Carlos Rodon. I was thinking about you, Dustin. And, uh, not, not great. And, and it was frustrating as a game is concerned because Adrian Sampson, you know, we've talked about how well he was doing. He was cruising and the game starts off bad. Top of the first, first batter, Chris Morell, absolutely jacks one and Luis Gonzalez robs him. Robbed. Maybe a homer, if not, at least a ground, you know, a, at least a double, maybe a triple with Morel's speed, but that's just, that just sets the tone. And so we get to the bottom of the fourth. Everything's going great. Two. The only guy that had a hit at that point was Tommy Lastella had two hits. You got nobody on base, two outs in the fourth. And Pat and Ron, I'm listening to this, they're talking about how Adrian Sampson never walks anybody. Very next batter, Lamont Wade Jr. walks. Oh, crap. Mike Yastrzemski singles. Dixon Machado, who was just traded to uh, to San Francisco by the Cubs, he comes in. He's hit by a pitch. I mean, this is not a big league hitter by any stretch. You hit him. You're so you're nervous because you can see that uh, Samson's controls evading him here. And then Jason Bossler, the number eight hitter, blooped a single to left. The Cubs trail two nothing. The next batter, the ninth batter, the catcher Austin wins. That was the only legit hit of the inning. He hit that one off the wall. Cubs trail four nothing. But you're looking at a walk. A little bloop single, a hit by pitch, another bloop single. It just absolutely killed you, and the Cubs did nothing the rest of the game. You get to the ninth inning, Contreras in what is probably his last at-bat as a Cubs strikes out, Hap in what is probably his last Cubs at-bat, grounds out, and Suzuki strikes out, and that's the ball game. Samson went four innings pitch, five hits, four runs, one walk, six Ks. Uh, six K's and four. I mean, pretty darn good. And then the Listen, Cubs.
0: Samson. Yeah, Samson wasn't the problem, Crawley. Not at all. The offense is broke. Unlucky. I, You know, you, you just mentioned a lot of unlucky little duck snorts all over the place. And I thought when that first pitch was hit by Morrell, I thought, all right, here we go. Just what I wanted. We're going to get to Rodon, and they're going to. And Rodon settled in, had a very nice overall night for him. And Sunday Night Baseball, and the Cubs just looked terrible on national TV.
2: Yeah, Rodan, like you said, seven innings pitched, two hits, 10 Ks. Uh, Lastella and Casier went two for four. Wynn had that two-run double. And it was such a frustrating series offensively, in my opinion, for the Cubs. And I took a look at some of the numbers that are going on here. In the last seven games, right, Ian Happ, two thirty eight average. That's the best of your top four hitters. Say a Suzuki, one ninety average. Wilson Contreras, 150, and Nico Horner was 0 for San Francisco, had a couple walks with a 125 average in his last seven games.
0: And that has nothing to do – you know, I've been chirping about how we need to see that guy at second base instead of shortstop. That has has nothing to do with it. That's really disappointing for Nico. Nico shouldn't – unless, Crowley, you think that maybe the pressure – is getting to him now where he is going to be the face of this team. He's going to be the guy, assuming that Ian Happ is gone, which we all think he's probably gone, assuming that Wilson Contreras, as you mentioned, took his last at-bat as Chicago Cub last night out in San Francisco. And maybe he's realizing that he's supposed to be the guy, and maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe he can't handle that.
2: You know, I I would tell you that the way that I look at it is is, uh, Pat and Ron kind of talked about it. This was Nico's first trip back as a full-time kind of star player. I mean, you know, he wasn't an all-star, but you could potentially made the case for it. And so, you know, uh, Ron Coomer talked a lot about this, how it's difficult when you go back and there's a lot of distractions. I don't know if that's what it was. Sometimes players end up getting into these little uh, lulls where they struggle could it just be that? I, I I think Nico's going to be fine. I think it was just a, a, a tough series and hopefully the, you know, he bounces out of it as soon as possible. The interesting thing though, when we talk about this game is that at the very end, you know, once again, in the dugout, the Cubs were doing their hugs for Wilson Contreras and you, you know, that was it. But I had never seen Wilson look so frustrated, so defeated in my lifetime and he was frustrated, and his comments after the game were very indicative of that. He says, it's, go- "It's it's been a long day. It's been a long, long, long week, long, long, long month for me. I'm ready for this to be over.
0: Well, I'm and- sure he is. I'm sure he is. You can understand why he is not doing Wilson Contreras-type things lately. There's got to be a lot on his mind, you're going to have to uproot the family. You don't know where you're going to play. You don't know who's going to pay you. I mean, the good, the good thing he does know is though, he is going to get paid. He is going to go somewhere and get paid. So at least he should, that should help ease his mind a little bit. I would think.
2: Andy truly loves this team. And and I think it's hard for him, but there was some negativity in his press conference yesterday when he's talking to the beat reporters, he was talking about how he's been trying his best to help and mentor and do all this stuff. And he said, quote, this team was not made to win this year. Not even close.
0: That's definitely a shot at ownership and management, no doubt about that.
2: So, you know, we sit here right now and and, and get out of San Francisco. You got the day off, relax, and uh, hopefully the bats come back for San Francisco or for St. Louis.
0: You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. That's Dustin Rhodes and Crowley with you. And the trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday. So right around the corner from now, we'll probably see officially where Ian Happ and where Wilson Contreras goes. We're going to talk to Brett Taylor right now from Bleacher Nation, just about the trade deadline, which is right around the corner.
2: Next up on Fly the W, my guest is Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation live from his blogathon. Brett, how are you feeling so far?
1: I mean it's early, so I'm good. We got started at 6 a.m. this morning, but like when you get me about 24 hours from now, and then then that's when I'm cracking up a little bit.
2: That, that that's why I figured I would get you on before all of a sudden you start getting a little loopy. Although that's the most fun time to watch. Uh, so here we are here, and and your blogathon always kind of tends to coincide with the trade deadline, which is absolutely for guys like you and me and any Cub fan. It's just a nutty time, especially the last couple of years the Juan Soto market has kind of slowed things down so far, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he's so singularly impactful and requiring such a dramatic investment in trade that it would really take only one team being held up by that and waiting to then have an effect on every other team that potentially wanted to deal with that first team. And then the ones after that and the ones after that. And so, I mean, it, it really could be, I'm not saying this is exactly what's happening, but it's, this is very realistic that the Padres are waiting on Juan Soto and the Nationals to, to really figure out if they're going to be able to get that done. And if they can't, then they'd be happy to turn to the Cubs and try to put together a big package, whether it's Wilson and Ian Happ or Wilson and David Robertson or all three. Uh, but they're not going to do that until they know what's happening with Soto and the Cubs aren't probably super interested in moving any of their guys until they know what's going to happen with the Padres and so on and so forth.
2: And that's kind of where I get stuck right here. I'm in a conundrum, Brett, because you have two teams. Would you say the top uh, Juan Soto Derby right here? You got the Cardinals our hated rivals, and then you have the Padres. And so it's almost like if the Cardinals get Juan Soto, they become a better team, but they deplete their farm system and some of their young talent. And so... I think that for the Cubs, the best trade would be with the Padres when you talk about whether Wilson or Ian or whatever. So as a Cub fan, I keep scratching my head. Do I want Juan Soto to go to the Cardinals?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I get that. It's um, it's an unfortunate position that we fans are in because I just can't for the life of me imagine uh, watching Juan Soto on the Cardinals for the next two and a half years or longer, because you just know they will extend it. Like, you just know. You know it. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, I try to, then, then I land. I'm like, okay, well, Cubs dealing with the Padres is probably the best, but is it like organizational changing as compared to the Cubs dealing with some other teams uh, at this deadline? Probably not. So I think if you really, you know, pinned me down, I'd probably say I would still rather Soto went to, Like if it were only those two teams, probably it's rather he goes to the Padres than the Cardinals. Uh, But you're right. It it could end up being that if he goes to the Cardinals, we'll look back and we'll be like, dang, that was really great that it worked out that way for the Cubs because X, Y, and Z followed. But mostly I'm just rooting that he doesn't go anywhere. And then we get to have fun conversations in the off season about how the Cubs should go after Juan Soto.
2: I like your thinking there. And, and, you know, I'm sitting here just looking at everything, waiting like everybody. There's a couple minor deals: Zach McKinstry for Chris Martin, so he's kind of like what a utility guy that that may and and he may play. He's he's on the team right now, may come into play a little bit. And then there was another minor deal where we saw Dixon Machado, who had an important hit by pitch yesterday, go for <laughs> Renal uh, Espinal. So the small deals are coming. The small deals are happening, but the bigger deals are yet to come still.
1: Yeah, it's the stuff that's not potentially connected to anything else that can go. Um, like, I think it's, I'm trying to think of when it was, but before the weekend started, it seemed pretty plausible that at least one reliever would go. Um, and as we saw, like you said, Chris Martin went to the Dodgers for Zach McKinstry. Interesting return, by the way. Like you said, the utility guy who's on the team now, who's really more of a, um potentially useful guy in 2023 and beyond rather than, you know, a high risk, high upside, 18 year old prospect. So I kind of dug that return in terms of wanting to be hopeful for next year, not because McKinstry himself makes the difference between the Cubs competing and not, but instead, because maybe it signals what they want to try to do with the roster for next year. I think from here though, we might not see a lot from the Cubs until things start shaking out. Nationally, because even with a guy like just say Michael Gibbons, it's possible the Cubs could deal him in a way that's not connected to anything else, just a one for one kind of deal. But it's also possible they want to hang on to him just in case that when things do start to shake out, imagine you have an Ian Hap suitor who's like, Yes, we are willing to give you the robust package that you're looking for, but we're going to need Michael Gibbons thrown in too. Right. And so I think there's probably a little bit of caution to uh, Deal Givens and certainly David Robertson until you know how some of the bigger picture stuff is going to shake out.
2: Right, and when we're looking right now, you got these top tier Cubs trade pieces. You look at Wilson and Happ and Robertson, uh, all three of those guys, and and any kind of type of packaging that you're talking about. Are you concerned at all that Wilson may hurt his trade value a little bit? He struggled in July, and this is obviously worn on him, but people know what Wilson is.
1: Yeah, I think both long-term... And just within the season, I think there's enough of a foundation of performance there for a bad month, not to necessarily move the needle too much. I mean, I think it's fair to ask if there was potentially a a suitor that was on the fence already. And and maybe this does give them pause, but it's 85 plate appearances, you know, a month sounds like a long time, but for him, you got the all-star break in there. It's 85. He had 290 before July of like just rock star performance. So I would hope that that's, that prevails in the thinking. And then also you dig in under the hood. He's had some bad luck. You know, his BAPIP's barely over 200. The contact quality isn't that bad. So I think, and then you throw in the, the whole thing where like, he he obviously wants this to just be over. He wants the deadline to be passed to know where he's going to be to feel settled again. And
2: um, Uh, yeah. He he looked and sounded defeated last, like miserable. He just he, he said it. He wants it to be over. Yep. And you you
1: know you can imagine, especially because he was looking at this happening last year. You know, he's on the other side of it and knowing that that might be me twelve months from now, right? Like he, although it's only been the last week that it seems like he's let it be visible to us, he has to have been wearing this for a long time. um, I I just I can only imagine what it's like to live your life like that, knowing, okay, this day's coming, this day's coming, this day's coming, and um, it's really unfortunate that it came to that. Uh, but that's that's his reality, and I just hope for him he ends up on a great team, can contend, can you know be in a good situation this offseason to get a great contract, all that good stuff, you know, because you know how it is for us. We just we want good things for a guy that we liked, cheering for him, that we think is a good person.
2: Right. Always the best for those guys. But with Wilson, it's like this has been going on all season long. I feel like Ian chatter really has picked up in the last month and month and a half. And now it looks like he possibly could be the Cubs' best trading chip.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think nobody was... We weren't thinking all year that Hap was obviously going to be a trade piece for a couple reasons. One, obviously the extra year of control. And so you, when you think about trade deadline, you're just sort of default mode is to think about rentals and guys who are going to be free agents. But also we were thinking about, you know, we want the Cubs to compete in 2023 and Hap emerges as a, a very good bat. He's, he's locked in in left field. You want to have that for next year. But what, what happened in the interim is the Cubs had some internal developments on the positional side. You can see the system becoming increasingly weighted toward outfielders. Um, And I think, I I suspect uh, the combination of Hap breaking out like he did and the Cubs looking at themselves and thinking, okay, where are we going to be able to make moves that are going to impact the organization long-term and not have it be a serious blow to our competitiveness? And I think they probably did that evaluation and came to the conclusion, okay, Hap, Maybe is someone we can move and absorb that blow and still be able to put together a contender next year and it's it stings and maybe we should have seen it coming before we did, Um, but I just think the circumstances kind of evolved over the last six weeks.
2: Now, let me throw a wild card out there. Uh, you know, we, we saw the returns Luis Castillo brought for the Reds. And I got to tell you, Brad, uh, between uh, the, the the Reds and what the Pirates have done the last couple of years, I got a feeling in a couple of years, the NL Central is going to look like it did in 2015, 2016. It's going to be, you know, obviously our division is not that great right now, but in a couple of years, look out, you know?
1: And that's to say nothing of the Brewers have had some huge explosions on the farm this year. Uh, I think Keith Law's ranking just had Chirio as the third best prospect in baseball. I mean, he, he's 18. He came out of nowhere and exploded. And then we know that the Cardinals have a tremendous system at the top because that's why they're in the Soto conversations. Yeah, it's almost like the Cubs, need to, the Cubs need more wins on the farm just to keep up with the development they're seeing in the rest of the system. Now, you know that the caveat with that is the Cubs are supposed to have more money and the other organizations in the central, and they're supposed to spend more. The, the CBA is constructed to advantage the smaller market teams precisely because it expects teams like the Cubs to spend more. We'll see if and when they do.
2: And so the way I'm thinking wildcard is, is you saw the haul that the Reds got for Luis Castillo and the absolute need for front-end pitching by by teams in contention. Marcus Stroman's contract's a pretty good contract, and... and, and you know, w- would you think that Marcus Stroman has the potential to be traded after seeing what Luis Castillo brought in?
1: Well, for me, I think I think about that in a couple of ways. Um, unlike the Ian Happ situation, where he's got the extra year of control and you want to compete in 2023, but maybe you feel like internally you can absorb that blow a little better. I don't see that being the same on the starting pitching side. I don't see losing Stroman for 2023 as being something that the Cubs could easily cover up internally. So that's one factor. Another is um, Castillo was a lot cheaper. Um, just, you know, it, the teams care about, about that. And although Marcus Stroman's contract is, I think really good for a free agent, it's not the same as ARB control. Uh, and then the, then thirdly Castillo is better. I think Marcus Stroman's awesome. I think he's a great number two, uh, I think he's been a lot better this year than people have given him credit or that some of the results have shown, um, but he's not Luis Castillo. And so right. I will agree with you. That return on that deal was surprising. It was surprisingly strong, um, but I'd be, I just would be surprised if it's going to take, I think the circumstances are such that it's going to take a team approaching the Cubs and saying, we've got to have Marcus Stroman. And I don't know, teams had that opportunity in December and the Cubs were the top bidder. So you tend to think that's not going to happen. Um, and I'm fine with that because I'm I'm excited about the Cubs having Strowman for likely the next two years, but at least the next year.
2: Now, speaking of pitching, the whole point of Miley and Smiley was to flip them, and it just hasn't worked out as far as injury and performance-wise. You still think that there's a chance that those guys get traded before? Well, let's just say, because there's another trade di- deadline after August, Not anymore.
1: They got rid of it.
2: They got rid of it. Okay. So you're taking a look here. Do you see Miley and Smiley going anywhere and getting any returns out of anything?
1: Well, it's funny because your question really underscores the issue. Back in the days where we had the waiver trade deadline in August, teams could take a little more time, be like, well, let's see him get a couple more starts, see if he's healthy. Well, that's gone now. It's it's, it is tomorrow or bust. So I do think there's a chance there's a team or two out there. That's like, you know, we know Wade Miley's track record. We, he looked healthy in his rehab outing or whatever, whatever their evaluative metrics are. Um, we just would like to have him in the fold and we can't get him next week. We can only get him right now. Let's offer the cup something modest and see if we can make a deal. Same thing with Smiley. I mean, more or less everything you could say about one, you could say about the other. Um, so pack it, you know, put them together for guessing purposes. And I'd say it's, it's 50, 50, at least one of them goes. Uh, but in either case, I wouldn't expect the return to be, really significant because it's just going to take a team being like, hey, you know, we'd like to take a chance on him. We're not going to pay you huge for him, but uh, we'd like to take a chance. And I think the Cubs would do that uh, with at least one of them in part because I think they're going to be okay with having some of those innings open in August and September for some other pitchers that they want to look at.
2: Now, a name that kind of started to pop up lately is Patrick Wisdom. And, And can you see a team that's contending saying, hey, you know, the guy's got some pop. Wouldn't, wouldn't be bad to have on the team. Could you see Wisdom possibly getting traded today?
1: I, I think it makes a lot of sense um, for a variety of reasons. You know, he's uh, older, obviously, so his his best performance could be this and next in the next year. And uh, that coincides with him still being pre-arbitration, which means there should be virtually any, you know, uh, market size would be willing to accommodate him. Uh, that's very attractive to some teams, And for the Cubs, while they no doubt like having him for the same reasons, you know, if they're going to pursue an infielder in free agency, um, you're going to see someone squeezed out. Uh, And with Christopher Morrell emerging with Nick Madrigal, you still hope on at second base. um, You start to think, you know, I'm not saying Patrick Wisdom is superfluous, but he Kind of like the the Ian Happ discussion we had, you can probably replace him internally and not feel such a strong blow. But he's producing league, you know, above league average. You find a team that really wants the power, that believes in that bat, and uh, doesn't think the defensive metrics this year reflect, you know, his actual ability. I I think there could be some value there. So I I would, you know, that's another coin flip in terms of whether it actually happens. But I think he has real value out there.
2: And that's why when I looked at the trade to get uh, Zach McKinstry, I'm like, okay, that's interesting because.
1: Yeah, McKinstry, Good call. Another same. Yep. Yep.
2: So, so you, you have two guys, and it's funny because I think for the Field of Dream games, they, they just came out with an advertisement with uh, Schwisdom on it, Schwindel and Wisdom. And I'm just wondering if there's a possibility that neither of those guys, I don't think they can trade Schwindel, but I'm wondering if his time on the Cubs, you know, when you got to start opening up 40 man spots on the roster.
1: Yeah, and first base is an area where the Cubs are going to have potentially, you know, maybe Matt Mervis keeps emerging. Um, Alternatively, you know, who knows, maybe the deal with the Mets comes together and they get Mark Vientos. And, you know, first base is a spot, obviously, where you can do a lot of things that you can't do elsewhere. And I think it was a good idea and reasonable to give Frank Schwindel a lot of time this year to see if he really was the guy you hoped he could be after that second half last year. But I don't know that the Cubs are going to feel beholden to, to hanging on to that if it's just not going to happen. And um, especially if there are other bats they want to see, you know, after the deadline. So yeah, it's, I I agree with you. I don't know that there's gonna be a trade out there for him, but um, it is possible that at some point they, they have to move on.
2: Well, you're in this middle of this blogathon. tell our listeners what the blog, the Bleacher Nation blogathon, is all about.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, and thanks again for having me on in it. Uh, like I said, I'm still in the early stages. So you're getting me, uh, able to put together coherent sentences. Uh, but I will be doing this thing, the blogging thing, writing, tweeting, video streams, all that kind of stuff for 41 hours straight started six this morning and I'll end after the Cubs Cardinals game tomorrow night. Um, so about 11 PM and I do it in conjunction with the trade deadline because we're all going crazy and obsessing and having fun anyway, but I I thought it would be a nice opportunity to pair that with a fundraiser for Make-A-Wish. And so we, um, you know, if we raise certain amounts of money, I go longer in the blog a thon and, uh, we are up to, I think about $11,000 this year for Make-A-Wish and supporting their mission. You know, I think it's easy to see the connection to sports and baseball and the Cubs have been very involved in making a lot of these wishes happen. And so I just, I just have felt very compelled um, by the service that they do and wanting to support in any way that I can.
2: How many years have you been doing this now?
1: This is year, you know, I was just asked that. Yes. I think it's year 12 now Um, started out a lot shorter. I think the first one was only 24 hours, which I look back at now and I'm like, 24 hours that's like I might do that anyway just if I stayed out late uh so you know had to keep beefing it up over the years
2: and as we get older it gets tougher
1: oh man (laughs) you are not kidding like the prep that I have to do in advance where I'm like no I need to get nine hours of sleep for like three days uh yeah it's it's a challenge
2: and so you sit here and and when do you think like in the last couple years that you notice that you start getting a little bit punchy around what hour
1: yeah every year around three in the morning is when it starts to be, where I start have to be more like, okay, you know, really slapping the face and taking the extra drink of coffee and not sitting down. Um, and then usually five, 6 a.m., sun starts to come up. Your buddy I think, is, is like, oh, I just got a terrible night's sleep, but it's time to start the next day. Um, whereas three in the morning, your body's like, no, dude, miss sleep time. Sit down, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, so that's what i you, have you
2: ever said anything or seen anything or just like start to question your own senses at a certain point in time? I think during that period,
1: especially, and I mean, if it happens after that, people are kind and they don't tell me I'll, I'll reread a sentence, you know, that I typed and I'm like, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think that's what I meant to say. And, um, definitely the typos will tick up. Please forgive. If you're a reader, you see tomorrow, just please forgive me. But, uh. Otherwise, hopefully I can, you know, stay at least communicative. It was terrible last year, Crawley, because they, you know, the Cubs are making all of these organization shifting moves for these players that we have loved for a decade. And I'm trying to write and speak eloquently on it after 38 hours of no sleep. So (laughs) like it would I'm not saying I want them to trade Contreras today necessarily, but like I'd probably be able to opine more thoughtfully on it today than I will be tomorrow.
2: So can people still contribute to the blogathon right now? Because this episode's going out in a couple hours. So if people are listening to this, they can still contribute, correct?
1: Yes. Thank you. Uh, so we've still got the link up to make a wish. Um, you'll be able to see it, uh, on my uh, Twitter feed at Bleacher Nation or at the site, uh, bleachernation.com on any of the posts that are about the blogathon. We've got a link right up top to give, to make a wish. And, you know, I always tell folks so we've we've met our goal. But if if people want to suggest a higher goal and say, "All right, Brett, but if you do whatever other crazy thing, if we get over fifteen thousand, or hey, I'm I'm down. You just got to suggest it. I, I'm I have no shame. I'll do whatever it takes.
2: <laughs> I, I, I yeah, no shame. I mean, we've been there both. Um, but I, I really, like I said, it, it's it's great because you know you know how important these wishes are to these kids, and it's a great thing that you're doing. And obviously, Cub fans know to find you at Bleacher Nation uh, at, at, on Twitter, at your website. Anything else that you want to kind of pump up while you're on here?
1: Uh, I think just uh, thinking about and supporting organizations like Make-A-Wish throughout the year. I mean, it's, it's great to have these opportunities where we can spotlight it and raise funds. But, you know, I think where we are in the world, it's nice to be thinking about other people as much as you can. And so if you ever have opportunities, you know, and I know the great stuff you do with Club 400 and um, just maybe maybe for a couple people out there, just seeing that this is happening is like a trigger for them to be like, oh, you know what? Later this year, I'm going to do X or I'm going to contribute to whatever. Just just think about it. That's all. Yeah. I mean. you,
2: you, you, know, you say that, and I just think about that a lot that like when I first started going to club 400, it used to be like, I can't wait to meet this player and get this autograph. And then all of a sudden you see the impact of what your actions, you know, the money's going to, and it's like, Oh my God, I'm helping this person or that person. And seeing that it really kind of changes your opinion. So, you know, keep doing the great work that you're doing both, both, you know, you know, giving Cubs information, which is awesome. And then using the platform that you have to do good. We really appreciate it as Cub fans and appreciate you coming on, Brett.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Crowley. It's always good to see you too, by the way. (laughs)
2: All right, my friend, we'll talk to you later. All right, have a good one and try to stay sane. Plenty of coffee. You do Red Bull coffee or or mix it up or what?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I I have all, it's in my fridge. I got one. You name it. I probably have it available.
2: (laughs) All right, buddy. And and, and just, just a quick question. How how long do you sleep after this is all over? Like do you purposely like time your sleep or do you just let it go?
1: Well, so I used to let it go and I would sleep 15, you know, plus hours. The problem with that is then you feel like crap that day. And so I have learned as I've gotten older, it's better to just do like a, a long sleep, not crazy long, but like, you know, nine hours and then get up and sort of force yourself to have a normal day. Otherwise you're just costing another day.
2: Get the body clock in order. All right. If anyone can handle it, my man, you can, I I hope to see you around Wrigley field soon. And thank you for all that you do. Thanks again, man.
0: You're listening to the fly, the W Six Seventy podcast. And we thank Brett Taylor for talking to us about the looming trade deadline. And the Cubs might look like a very different team. Crowley come Tuesday when they're down in St. Louis taking on our favorite team in the world the Cardinals
2: oh yes how much fun going to boring old St. Louis nothing like it uh, St Louis is 54 and 48 they trail Milwaukee by three games in the division they're six and four in their last 10 the Cubs are 41 and 60 19 games under 500 but good enough for third place in the crappy NL Central. Uh, they are seven and three in their last 10, that six game winning streak, plus the one in San Fran, but, uh, they, they need to bounce out of this funk that they were in that last game. And hopefully, uh, the pitching matchups for this series, in my opinion, are very exciting. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, obviously that's the number one thing we have to look at coming up in this series. Crowley is, is the bats, but we're going to work under the assumption, right, that there will not be an Ian Happ in the Cubs lineup against St. Louis. There will not be a Wilson Contreras in the lineup against St. Louis. So you wonder, with those two guys out, who's in and can those guys deliver? We'll have to wait and see. And listen, I guess the good news is for Nico Horner, he can't really get any worse, right? He can't be any worse than he was in San Francisco. (laughs) So it's only up, up, up for Nico Horner.
2: Yeah, and, and, and like I said, the main thing we've talked about a lot of times is just the, how we're kind of looking at the future, and you have two of the young studs that you are really going to be depending on uh, going in this series versus the Cardinals, which is always a heated rivalry. So we'll see what happens. Game one is 6.45 central time. Uh, you can catch that ballgame on the score. Keegan Thompson, 8-4 and four with the 316 ERA, 82 Ks versus Adam Wainwright, 7 and 8, 328, 99 Ks. So you got young versus old. You got a guy who throws heat versus a guy who throws uh, finesse. And so we'll kind of see what happens here. Uh, You know, you have a couple of uh, Cardinals that are starting to see more and more of Keegan. Uh, The guy you got to – and this is where it's very confusing right now. Like you said, you have the Cubs – you don't know if Wilson Contreras is going to be there. You don't know if Ian Happ is going to be there. You don't know if Rafael Ortega is going to be there. Is Frank Schwindel going to be there? Patrick Wisdom? All of these are question marks. Patrick Wisdom could be traded. Yeah, right? that's another Frank great Sch-
0: point, right? Yeah, those guys could be gone too.
2: Yeah. Frank Schwindel, I don't see being traded, but I could see yeah. him being a candidate to be DFA'd to add somebody to the 40-man roster. And so you don't know who you're going to have. On the flip side, and we we talked about this before, Juan Soto, they the, the two teams that everybody keeps talking about in the Juan Soto, Soto sweepstakes are the Cardinals and the Padres. If they go, if the Cardinals win that, you may lose a Dylan Carlson or some other players from this roster that may not be here to face off against Keegan Thompson. Um, looking at it right now, Goldschmidt, of course, has eight at bats, he's hit 375 off him and, uh, Nolan Arenado on seven has hit 286, but, uh, it, those, obviously you're always worried about Paul Goldschmidt, cub killer, league killer. I mean, he's just absolutely, uh, out of this world and having a great season. Wilson Contreras does not do good against Wayne Wright. He's a 200 batting average, but, uh, watch out for Ian Happ. If he's still with the team, he is 375 and 24 at bats. So uh and and Nico Horner, that maybe this is what he needs. Fifteen at bats, he hits 333 off Wayne, right? So maybe that'll get him right.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Like I said, he can't really get any worse than he has been. Um, I thought it was interesting, even another guy you brought up there, Crowley, is uh, Patrick Wisdom. Will he will he still be with the Cubs? And and what kind of a shot in the arm would Juan Soto give the Cardinals. And then if it was against the Cubs, it's just oh punishment for us Cub fans, even though I'm not sure that long-term Juan Soto couldn't, and I cross my fingers as I say, this ruin the Cardinals organization. If they get, get, get him lose top prospects for him, and then eventually have to pay him half a, are you ready for it? Billion dollars to be their guy for the next 15 years.
2: Right. And and so as I kind of look at this, when you take a look at that McKinney signing that I talked about for Chris Martin earlier, he could easily play third base. He could easily play first base. So you're looking at that, the the Schwisdom and wondering if that's going to end after Monday. Uh, Big question right here. Game two, Justin Steele four and seven with the 386 ERA, 87 Ks versus Miles Michaelis, eight and eight, 286 ERA, 100 Ks. You could see by uh, Michaelis's ERA, he just seems to be a tough luck loser. The record should obviously be better than it is. That's why wins and losses are tough to look at. Uh, Justin Steele trying to bounce back from a couple uh, outings that uh, that last outing versus that he had kind of struggled a little bit, and so hoping that he kind of bounces back. We'll see. But uh, you know, the Michaelis is always an interesting one. The Cubs always kind of seem to have their frustrations with him. So I'm 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 hoping that Justin comes out and has a, a, a strong game. Uh, we know that he pitched very well against uh, you know San Francisco. He did all right. Three point two innings. He did you know that that one inning that absolutely killed him. That really wasn't his fault. Uh, that's why he had he was only in there for three point two innings. He only gave up five hits, but no earned runs. You know he did okay against Philly. Five innings, four hits, one earned run in Baltimore. Six innings. Six hits, three earned runs. So you're looking for length out of steel in this start. That's what I'm looking for as far as when I look at this game. Uh, Length, right. Length,
0: you were looking for length. That's a great point by you. You're also looking at how he does on the road against a team that he is going to have to learn how to pitch against. And you're going to have to learn how to pitch against them on the road in their park so this is a listen these next these next couple of games are good from the standpoint of learning experience for the pitchers that's where my eyes and ears are going to be on this one of course we want the offense to be better but I'm most interested in how Keegan and Justin and then we're going to get to our game three in a second how they do against this lineup especially Crowley if that lineup's got Juan Soto in
2: it. yep and Paul Goldschmidt, seven at bats versus Steele, 429. Tommy Edmond hits six hundred and five at bats. And Nolan Arenado, six at bats, hits three thirty-three. So that's what you're talking about right there. Is that, you know, it's a small sample size, but but he's go- these are the guys that Nolan Arenado's not going anywhere. Paul Goldschmidt's not going anywhere. These are guys you're gonna have to get out.
0: Yep, you gotta learn how to pitch against these guys. All right, that takes us into uh, game three. Crowley, it's not a two game or a four-game series, it's a traditional three game series. How about that?
2: About damn time! Um, unfortunately, I don't have anybody up yet. Uh, I don't see a announced starter for the old the, TBD.
0: The old TBD, yeah, but it could for the be. It, 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 it could be. Well, that's okay. Who cares who the Cardinals are throwing? It's but Strowman, right? Strowman's going there. Strowman in the for the Cubs, Yeah. yeah. Is so Strowman that's why I said.
2: Cubs.
0: You know, we get to see Steele and Strowman, right? And then that's that's what that's what you want to see. This is this is a good this is a good series for the pitchers to get some great experience on the road against. And Keegan Thompson, obviously, to get experience against a hated division rival.
2: Yeah, and 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 hopefully, you know, all you can do, you can't control what the hitters do. Don't put any more pressure on yourself than you need to. Stroman has been the Cubs' by far le- best pitcher lately. Uh, six innings against San Francisco, zero earned runs. Six innings against the Phillies, one earned run. 4.1 innings against the Mets, one earned run. So this is a guy that's definitely been carrying the pitching staff for a little bit. Uh, Like we said, hopefully a little bit more length out of it. I'd like to see him start getting maybe a seven or an eight-inning performance. I mean, I know it's not that common anymore, but it would be nice to see a seven-inning game for Stroman, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Crowley, well, that's a wrap on this one. When we get back with you guys later in the week, unfortunately there will be probably some new homes for Some of our favorite Cubs that are going to get traded and we'll see what the Cubs have gotten back in return and hopefully Crowley. Um, I'll, I'll say the Cubs are going to win one, one of the three. And as always, I will say, please just don't get swept, especially by the Cardinals. So Crowley, my quick prediction is uh, one win, two losses. How about you on this three game series?
2: All right, I'm going to mix it up, Dustin, just because we seem to kind of think alike on this. I'm going to go two and one, and that way, if I'm right, I, I look like a genius, but I'm just kind of being contrarian right here. But maybe, maybe, like I said, I see Strowman having a good start, and hopefully one of the other two guys, Keegan and Steele, can, can can kind of carry the Cubs over.
0: That's a wrap. This was season one. Believe it or not, guys, we have done 20 of these for you, and we called this one a giant flop. We thank you guys for listening. As always, Crowley, have a great Couple of days, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, reconnect. I'll still be here in Canada, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever we get to uh, edition number twenty-one. But uh, have a good week, and uh, hopefully uh, we get a lot back for Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras.
2: And 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 stay up to date with what's going on. Obviously, you know I know people are working or stuff like that. But if you follow our socials, fly the W six seventy on Twitter and Instagram, and fly the W on Facebook, we're going to have everything up to the date as it's happening. I will literally be. In my house right now, in the in the Crawley's clubhouse, hitting refresh nonstop. So you you pop there in any of those places, we'll have you up to date.